Before we get into today's episode of the podcast, a quick note that today's episode is brought to you by 2Before. 2Before is a product that I've been using for many months now. It is one of my go-to pre-run rituals that I take before my run, and it is something that has significantly contributed to my performance within my runs and workouts and overall just made me feel better. If you've never heard of 2Before before, it is blackcurrants, which are antioxidant berries grown in New Zealand, and studies have shown that consuming them regularly improves endurance by increasing blood flow and removing lactic acid. Blackcurrants also manage inflammation and kickstart muscle recovery, meaning you can hit the next training session feeling strong. Guys, it's used by professional running team Tin Man Elite, as well as teams in the NFL, NBA, and the NCAA, so it's tried and tested. You guys can get 30% off of 2Before with code the running effect 30 not only does this get you 30% off but also free shipping i've left a link to two before's website in the show notes so you guys can scroll down and hit that link or go directly to their website two before.com that's the number two before.com again 30% off with code the running effect 30 Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Running Effect Podcast. I'm your host, Dominic Schleter. I'm a little sick right now, which is why I sound off, but today on the podcast is the one and only Byron Grievous. I've been asked many, many times over the past few months to get Byron on the podcast, and so I had to make this one happen. Byron has a super fascinating story in the sport of running and also very interesting life. He goes to Phillips Exeter Academy, which is a boarding school in Exeter, New Hampshire. He's from the great state of Connecticut, but he goes to school in New Hampshire as a senior in high school. He's also committed to run and attend Stanford University next fall. So incredibly prestigious kid. And it was so interesting hearing inside his life and how he's excellent both in academics as well as athletics, what it's like living away from his parents and family uh, throughout high school, going through COVID, uh, through the boarding school process, kind of formulating a love for the sport through it all after being very, very good in the sport of soccer. I love talking with Byron. He is unbelievable for a high school senior. You guys will understand what I'm saying. Like the kid is wise beyond his years. He was pulling out quotes from Marcus Aurelius, uh, different great works. So it was just uh, an absolute pleasure to speak with. And I hope you all enjoy this conversation as much as I did having it. One quick note before we hop into it, I would greatly appreciate you giving us a follow, a five-star review, and sharing today's podcast with a friend, a family member, someone you think would find value and benefit from it. With all of those notes aside, I hope you all enjoy my conversation with the man, the myth, the legend, Byron Grievous. Byron Grievous, welcome to the Running Effect podcast. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm really excited to have a good conversation today. First question for you. Take me through a normal day in your life. I'm particularly interested because we're recording this in the morning. Most kids have school. You have school as, as you'll get yeah. into, but uh, let's hear it. Yeah, so I go to Phillips Extra Academy, a boarding school uh, up in New Hampshire, um, southern New Hampshire. And um, there's a big sort of adjustment. I'm living away from home. Um, I live in my own room. I have to sort of go throughout my day um, sort of like as an individual, like by myself, I always have like my support systems, but they're at home sort of like four hours away back in Connecticut. So, I mean, a reason I'm able to like talk right now, it's 9 a.m. Um, schedule is pretty flexible. So sometimes I don't start class until 1045 today, which is very nice. So like a normal day, I'll, I'll get up, um, 
go out to breakfast with a, a bunch of my friends uh, around like 7.30, sometimes 8.30. Um, and then I'll have classes until um, 12.40 where we'll have a lunch period. Um, we have a bunch of assemblies um, at like 9.30 on Tuesdays and Fridays where we get amazing um, speakers from all around the world, um, whether it's like cancer um, researchers or poets, um, it's, it's a really great opportunity just to like hear um, like different points of view um, in, in the middle of the day. And then we'll go back to class um, and then I'll do that until 4.20 where I'll have like cross country practice. We have workouts Mondays uh, and Wednesdays. Um, and those days can be pretty long because we'll have a, we'll, st we'll start our workout maybe 4.30. I don't get done until around seven because um, we're doing like lifts after. Um, and then it's just dinner, grinding out homework, what that's in the library or my room. Um, and then, then we just repeat. And then on the weekends, um, we'll either have like meets or sometimes I can get a chance to go home if we don't have a meet. Um, I'll have my parents drive up. But most of the time I get to see my parents on the weekends at meets um, and then just like hang out around campus and explore New Hampshire sometimes. Take me through the decision with your parents to go to a boarding academy. You're the first guest of like the over 300 who have ever uh, I've ever talked to who's gone to one. So I'm super curious about this. Can you take me through like the decision process and specifically as a freshman in high school, what that transition was like for you? Because a question I commonly ask is the transition from high school to college. But like, as I'm sure you know, a 14 year old is way different uh, developmentally than an 18 year old. So I'm curious to hear about that. Yeah, I mean, I think. When I tell people I started boarding school my freshman year, so I was, yeah, going into um, like a new environment when I was 14. Um, it's pretty different. And it was like, I think at first um, this idea sort of popped in my head. None of my parents have ever gone to boarding school. Um, but my seventh and eighth grade year, um, I was sort of taking a look around me. I grew up in um, Southern Connecticut um, in Fairfield County, which is very predominantly white area um and that never it doesn't bother me um but i was thinking about um just the way i want to learn um and like I, I felt i wanted a sort of a different environment to learn um and so i started looking into boarding schools um specifically exeter uh phillips andover academy um all the prep schools in the northeast and they pride themselves on being able to reach um and get kids from all different quarters of the world um, and bring them in one on one campus. And I was talking about the Harkness method with you before, but it's like peer centered learning. Um, and you're really learning from your classmates, the teacher is there to facilitate conversation. But for the most part, you're taking your personal experiences and your perspectives and bringing them to the table. And I've really enjoyed every minute I've been here. It was definitely a hard learning curve. I, I would associated the same as like going to college from high school. Um, but I think as I got in the groove um, and really found a way to strengthen my um, like individuality and my time management has been really helpful. And I think like for the next chapter, for the next four years, it's gonna hopefully be like a, a smooth transition um, to college. What would you say are the biggest upsides or blessings over the past few years? and? On the contrary, some of the hardest challenges that you've had to go through. So in terms of like the running side of it, I think the biggest upside I've had to come into Exeter specifically has been the pillars 
um, that have supported me, like my support systems. Um, like it is hard not having my parents every single, like when I come home from school. Um, but I found that the community, especially on the cross country team has been um, so supportive, such a loving community. And um, I feel like love just personally and having a support system that's surrounded by love is very important as like the heart um, is, a, is a big measure of like what you can accomplish. Um, I was doing an English reading a couple nights ago um, from a, a Kiese Lehman, who's a black American writer. And in, in his collection of essays, um, he was saying, sorry, if I can just like read a quick quote. No, let's saying, do it. Yeah, love requires forgiveness, truth, high expectations, and patience. It also goes on to say, the heart is the true measure of a man or woman. And personally, I believe love is like specialized, almost a specialized drug to to affect the heart in a way that is can be positive or negative. But I felt that like the support, I, I said like the pillars of that I've had around me has definitely helped in getting everything else that isn't like workouts or lifts out of what I can accomplish when running and on the track and on the cross country courses, like running, uh, the workouts you do and the lifts are, I think only part of it. And a lot of it is that mental aspect, how, how much the brain can affect what you think you can accomplish. And so I think that's one of the biggest upsides I've had. Um, and then on the contrary, my underclassmen years, so freshmen and and sophomore years were definitely difficult with COVID, especially I think it would, they were hard for a lot of people and like transitioning to boring school, um, not having my parents and then being sort of stuck in my dorm room. That's like the policies we had were very restrictive and I didn't have those, um, though the web of um, like friends and family 24 seven, like I have now, it was much, I felt much more isolated. And so that was really hard. I. I was sort of contemplating whether I should go back to public school um, just because of how hard it was. Um, but I mean, perseverance, and I think this was a great decision. And that was just one small downside. And it was an external factor who could have like really guessed a pandemic could do something like that at that time. So do you think being in this setup in situation has benefited your running because you don't have a lot of the external distractions that a lot of other kids have? Not saying that you like don't go out with your friends occasionally or whatever you guys do, but the average high school, public, even private school kid has a, assuming a lot more in terms of like distractions of, of different things. Whereas you're kind of living the collegiate runner lifestyle. It seems maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. It's, it's as much of a, like, um, as much as I hate it sometimes when I'm here, I know looking back at it, it has helped me stay driven so much like I'll talk to one of my best friends back home just about like what the weekends are like there what after school life is like there and it's just such a different um it's just such a different flow like when you'll come back from classes you'll do sports then you'll go back home not necessarily just start doing homework or start going to clubs and I think with Exeter because I, I I live at school not just I, I don't just do school I have to like my my fun has to also happen on the same place where I'm doing a hard test or submitting a really difficult essay. Um, and so it's allowed me to find like joy out of smaller things. Um, but yeah, it, I, I've definitely stayed, stayed driven. 
um, we don't have as much, we don't really have a party culture. So it's not like distractions there. Um, and being in New Hampshire, I think has definitely kept me driven. Not that like, I feel like I'm a worlds away from everything that's going on, but like the quintessential New England falls and like the winters is definitely serene. And it's like, I get to really soak up um, nature as well as like, yeah, as you were saying, there's not much external distractions up here. Yeah, speaking of the weather, gotta ask you, October in New Hampshire, it's gotta be beautiful right now. What are these uh, easy runs and workouts like? Yeah, so I was I t was talking with uh, Dave Devine from Dysta. Um, we did an article uh, a couple of weeks ago, and one of the big things I was talking to him about was how, and he picked up on like the the runs that we have here. Specifically, there's we go to this one dirt road. We sort of call it our like New Hampshire Magnolia Road. We call it Dame Road. Um, it's a five mile tempo we have on this really narrow dirt road. I was saying we had, there's like sheep pasture, old sheep pasture rocks on each side of us huge sugar maples draping over the roads. Um, and then when you're when you're in like the middle of October, they're all orange, yellow, red. It's it's really beautiful. It's like a um, Robert Frost poem, really. It was, yeah. Um, and we, <clears throat> our sort of uh, staple workout um, is called Scammons. We go to the family farm um, and do a hill fartlek. And it's, it used to be a, um, like corn maize farm. Um, and they have given like our program permission over like the past 10, 15 years to do workouts there. Um, and so I'm just like every, every time we do a workout like that, or I'm just going out for a run and I smell like the leaves and the crisp air. It's like, this is new England. This is new, like this is New Hampshire. And it's, it's really cool. It can get pretty, pretty cold and pretty, dark and, and dull in the winters which is a little downside like we'll get <laughs> yeah the sun goes down like as we get out of class at four um but for the most part like being up in new england is a really cool experience what are the emotions as you said there that the family farm they've allowed your program 10 15 years uh to to you know do workouts there kind of reminded me you're a senior in high school obviously what are the emotions as a senior realizing that with each passing workout is like one more workout until graduation. Like all the experiences you're going through now is like the last time you'll experience them. So what are your emotions in terms of being a senior after I'm sure forming bonds with many of your classmates, teammates, and just like the institution city itself? Yeah, I did my last scammons last week, um, which I mean, I've felt like even coming into senior year um, that I was gonna make the most out of the traditions that we have. I think that's like one of the reasons I love our program. We have so many tradition traditions um, that makes our like sort of brotherhood so so tight. Um, and really as a as a captain um, on the team, making sure that the underclassmen have the same journey through their four years here that I had. Um, and feeling like after four years the same that the same things I feel that like I've had great support systems. I have had the ability to go to meets and run with run knowing I have like a full team behind me. Um, and it's, it's really sad. Like, like our, the cross country season here is, is so deeply rooted in like so many like 
cool traditions that we have and knowing that like every time we do it it's going to be like the last time i'm going to do it um and how the transition to ncaa i'm not going to have that same at least from what i know it's like much more of a, a job and there's not going to be as many smaller traditions that we have and so it's, it's just going to be really um soaking up every every day i have can you give some context to the program itself? Are you like a once in and please, I know you're a humble guy. Be honest with me. Are you like a once in a generational talent or has the program experienced success like you've shown before? Yeah, I think that's what's so interesting. Um, the visibility that we get is not, um, so we've had Will Coogan, um, who is now at UNC. He's running at Chapel Hill um, with Ethan Strand. We've also had um, Varun Oberai, who's running at Yale. Um, Connor Chen, who's uh, running at Princeton. And so it's interesting. I didn't even know coming into Exeter that um, A, I was going to, I was going to run. I thought I was going to play soccer, but B, that when I chose cross country and distance running in particular, that I was stepping in the shoes of like people who have gone to Milrose or nationals. And it's not just like I was the first one to do things. So I've had people to look up to, people to talk about um, how to balance academics with having to do extra things when it comes to my sport. Um, and it, it's cool, like Coach Newbold, um, who is his coach here, has worked with so many guys over the years at different skill levels. And with guys like Will Coogan, Virun Oberai, and Connor Chen, like I think he has seen the path they've taken um and have has sort of like put me on that same path and i'm really glad um that like i've I've had people to look up to and it wasn't like i'm trying to forge a brand new path um but people before me have done similar things um let's go back in time to young byron take me through his start in the sport of running and what his first impressions of it were yeah so for most of my life um in in connecticut i was a soccer player I played soccer like I lived and breathed it. I um, <laughs> played for I think from like kindergarten up to eighth grade um, at a pretty high uh, level, intense level. I was able to like go to England a couple times and and play against some of the um, like Premier League academies, um, and so that was that really engulfed my life for much of my like adolescence, my youth, and here and there I would always do like these family like road 5k's um that are in my town all the time with my my dad and mom um and I, I love them it was just like I would see it as like if I didn't have a soccer game um I would do like a, a like a road 5k um or something like that and I I never saw it as like maybe this is going to be my my sport until um COVID hit um my eighth grade like yes yeah, uh, spring and then I was sort of I took account of like where I was in the sport of soccer, knowing that I was going to leave my academy and go to Exeter. Um, and I almost, I want to see like the whole transition to Exeter as like a clean slate. Um, and I know I, I, I knew I had success in running in the past. Those five, like those road 5Ks um, eventually like progressed into doing junior Olympics, um, like the, the track junior Olympics, as well as like, AAU cross country and I've had I had success there in the past so I knew that if I 
I wanted to switch to distance running. It would be, it'd be like a, a cool switch. And my, my father ran in high school and, and he did, uh, like club running when he went to college, my grandfather, um, ran in high school, then ran, um, for the city college in New York. Um, and so I've, I found it sort of like as a, a generational, um, sport now that like, I am also as much as I've had people to look up to at my school, like Will, Varun and Connor. I've also had like my father um, and my grandfather to look up to um, as I go on this journey. So yeah, it was soccer and as well as cycling um, were my main sports. And then as freshman year was the first time I, I put those sports aside and focused mainly on, on cross country and, and track. What was the, the flip the switch moment in your head that went from running is just something I do and I'm transitioning from soccer to running to, well, I'm pretty good at this sport and could probably do some of the things that you've ended up doing. Yeah. So as I was saying before, the, the level I was playing at soccer, uh, like when I was 13, 14, was, was getting to a, a, a pretty high place. And that sort of came with somewhat of a, a toxic en- environment in the fact where it was like every practice you're fighting for a starting spot on the starting 11. Um, every game you're like scared of messing up. Like the team chemistry I was starting to notice and observe was, was getting away from why I fell in love with the sport at that point. Mm. And I would, every time I would go to these five K's or to junior Olympics, I would take note of the difference in the environment. And I had only positive memories of like, like finishing a race and talking to all the guys after congratulating them, like all the like nerves that you have before a race, but still like having an environment where I felt safe um, and away. And it was just so different than the, in like the, the place I was at, at soccer at that time. And when I reflected on like, which one I thought would be the most sustainable in terms of and when I say sustainable, it's like not only getting better at the sport every day, but also not falling out of love for it. And I thought the sustainability of the environment of running was in like a different world than what I was getting at, at the moment in, in soccer. And so I, I made that leap, finding that like, even if I, I had like in the past so much history with soccer, I could pave a, pave a new path for myself and in, in running and I thought that, yeah, the environment would be more sustainable for my enjoyment as well as just progression as an athlete. Being so good at soccer, and I don't want to say like at the top of the world, like you were Ronaldo, but clearly very good. Did that, how how did that mix with coming into the sport? Of course, you had kind of done it before, but probably not at the same level you were within soccer. How did that kind of inform that first year of really starting the sport? And was it kind of a hard transition from like being almost one of the best in your age group to then, um, not that you were bad, but like, you know what I mean? Wasn't the same level right away. Yeah. Um, COVID made it really hard. My freshman, I think my whole freshman year, we didn't race against a single school. Like we were do only like inter-squad meets workouts only keeping our head down. It was like, I was, I wouldn't say like it was, hard in the sense where I was like, I made such, I have gone backwards in terms of like 
um, how, how good I was at the sport, um, in quotation marks, but like, it was more so like, I didn't get to put my, I couldn't see myself on because we didn't race other schools. I, I wasn't able to race other, other freshmen at that point. I couldn't see how I, I stacked up with other, other people. And so that was a very important time where I had to realize like progression, um, will come to different people at different times. And I had to make sure that I was doing everything I could to like maintain, like, and keep, and keep, and keep progressing, even if I wasn't able to race other guys. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that like going from soccer to running, um, I felt like there was such a, like a, a switch in like the level I was competing at. Um, I think it was just like something new. I played soccer growing up a lot, uh, not at the level you did, but something that I kind of drew from it, that in basketball was those sports are a lot more naturally competitive than the sport of running, it seems. Uh, running is a very individualistic sport, and there's definitely team aspects to it, but I think what draws a lot of people to it is its individual nature. For you, especially as uh, like this season and whatnot, and even in the spring and last year, like you were starting to c- compete for you know bigger titles, bigger races, um, bigger times. Do you th- think or do you ever lean on that kind of competitive nature and spirit from your upbringing in soccer or do you kind of view them as like separate lives? I almost view it like, yeah, as you're saying, as a separate lives, just because I have found that like bringing that same sort of energy, especially to distance running, I would say sprinting is a little, is a little different in terms of that like competitive nature, but like bringing that energy to distance running will not really get that much positive feedback um and not like it's like competition is always great and like there's movements to make this sport i guess quote unquote like less soft and bring a competitive nature to distance running um and i mean i think when that gun goes off it is totally different to before and after that race because everyone's everyone's going to to cross that tape first um, by any any means. And so I think so some of that trash talk or the, the trying to get in, in the head like before is something that I have taken away from, like I've removed from soccer, I think. And, and I haven't brought that into running. And I just feel like it has, has helped me as well, as I was saying, like sustainability, like if you're always trying to put someone down before you like who's who you're racing against it's like I, I i feel that i would start to lose love i was like i was saying before love is really is so important and if you're just bringing that hate um it's hard to like i think reflect on yourself like the love of the sport if you're all you're doing is like not spreading hate necessarily but more of that like competitive getting in your head right totally totally can you take the listeners through your sophomore and junior year? You kind of chronicled freshman year and how it was plagued by COVID, um, no pun intended. So can you take us through your sophomore, junior year, some of the progressions you saw and kind of starting to make a name for yourself? Yeah. So my sophomore fall was the first real season um, that I got. Um, and this was a really, um, I, I love this season in particular we started, we always do, for the most part in cross, cross country, 
we are in the realm of like we it's NEPSAC, which is the New England Prep School Athletic Council. We do a bunch of dual meets and quad meets, so we're not really getting too much visibility or exposure in terms of like the na national scene. We're racing other other prep schools, and it's very it was very heavy on tradition that year because uh, my freshman year we didn't really get much of that like the the storyline that we like to to uh, curate for like the team fall and I, I remember specifically this this one um this one memory a captain um my sophomore year we were about one two miles off campus we stopped in the woods and he he takes out this small book um from his pocket and it turned out to be meditations by marcus aurelius which is fantastic um, but yeah i was reading it this um, morning yeah and so uh for those who aren't as familiar with marcus aurelius he was a former um roman emperor given he was termed like coined the philosopher king by many of his compatriots as well as other stoic philosophers at the time and meditations was a bunch of personal journal writing on his um like idea of of life of just stoic uh philosophy and these quotes in particular if i could read have definitely been um a, a center point to like the growth that i had sophomore and junior year um he reads the impediment to action advances action what stands in the way becomes the way so for every race that's your opponent the only way to beat that opponent is like to, to figure out a way to continue your action. And I, and, and another quote uh, quickly um, has to do with sort of like the perseverance of an athlete in particular. Um, it reads someone like that, someone who refuses to put off joining the elect is a kind of priest, a servant of the gods in touch with what is within him and what keeps a person undefiled by pleasures in invulnerable to any pain, untouched by arrogance, unaffected by meanness, an athlete in the greatest of all contests. The struggle not to be overwhelmed by anything that happens. And I mean, I, I love that quote. And I remember specifically when he read that, that like stuck with me, um, just like bringing it into when I go to nationals, I went to running lane that year. And um, I flew down there just with my mom. Uh, I didn't have my coach or my teammates there. And I definitely had to sort of go into that quote, go into the mindset um, that I can't, I can't really be blocked by like the meanness. I can't be affected by just because it was like for the months before that, it was so team heavy and team centered. And this was the first time I was going to like race by myself in a huge cross country meet with like yeah, over 300 guys. Um, I definitely had to keep that close to my heart. Uh, and then I guess transitioning into winter of my sophomore year, um, we are very fortunate to have like an indoor track, a 200 meter flat track. And so we do have, uh, an indoor season. So we'll, we'll race New Hampshire public schools, um, some New England prep schools, and then, um, New, ba New Balance Indoor was the culminating event. So we went to, uh, it was still in the armory at this point. And I ran the two mile. I remember lining up with like Aiden Puffer, Gavin Sherry, um, these top dogs. And I remember like coming around. It was it was really cool as a, as a sophomore to to see these guys. Um, 
sort of not in their shadow, but someone I, I looked up to. I, I knew Aiden Puffer actually for a couple of years before that. And I like coincidentally went to a running camp with him one, one summer. So I've been talking to him um, for many years leading up to that. Um, and so that was a really cool experience there. I, I, it was like the first time. And I think it's also um, just say like a, a personality of like indoor track that since it's 200 meters, there's the energy is so centered around the track. Everyone sees you. And that was like, wow, I'm like on this national stage um, with the top guys in the country. Um, and that was a big turning point. And with outdoor track, um, we sort of went back to doing those dual meets um, that we did at the beginning of, of cross country um, until we go to, I think we went to, yeah, Nike Outdoor, Outdoor Nationals in Eugene at Hayward. Um, and I was, I was hyped for that. That was the first time I saw the, the newly um, constructed Hayward Field. Um, and that was awesome. I ran the 5K and two mile there. Um, great experience. And I think it, it was a good build up for what would, what would happen junior year. And this, I think so that so far was my, like my most accomplishments came from junior year where, um, we went to NXR, um, we placed third as a team really close to Episcopal and second, almost got the NXN qualifier as a team. Uh, I got second behind Devin Capiego. Um, and so we went to NXN. I went to NXN individually to represent the Northeast. Um, and that was really cool. I was scared that not having the team like at running lane, I would feel like I was an individual, but I think Nike did a great job with making the Northeast team feel like any other, any other team that we were racing. Um, um, so I, I got to race with Devin Capiego, Aiden Cox, Patrick Candini, Aiden Ross. Um, and so that was great. And then we then transitioning after, um, NXN back into indoor. Um, oh, I forgot to mention, uh, we have the, we have access to, uh, like BU's track for, but like their meets, like absolutely hack. And, and Valentine. It's, it's amazing. So I get to, we get to race like collegiates, um, and, and pros just in, in the same races. And we get, I, I watched, um, Yard Nagoose's 3k indoor American record, Grant Fish, or oh, Woody Kincaid's, uh, 5k indoor national record. And that energy I was talking about before that I felt at the armory was crazy at BU. And so that's where, uh, I ran a couple three Ks and, and had a great success there. And it was, it was more so just like after the race, I would walk in the infield, I would see like Luis Grijalva, Drew Bosley, all these like amazing runners I look up to. Um, and then after that, that stretch at, at BU again, going to uh, new balance indoor where I ran the two mile, um, and as well as this was the first time we brought relay teams to nationals. We ran the DMR and the four by eight and had great success there. We placed fourth in, in both of them. Uh, and that was great. Cause I always, sometimes I feel that leaving cross country, you sort of leave that team aspect, but bringing the relay, um, and getting to share like the success with three of my close teammates was a great experience. And then spring was also a, a great like um season for me i we, we did a, those dual meets um and i wasn't really able to get out to i, I wanted to get out to arcadia 
Um, that just didn't work perfectly with like the ske- like the schedule after indoor season. Um, and there was a little um, <laughs> difficulty coming from prep schools to go in to get into certain invitational meets. Um, I ended up going to down to Franklin Field. Um, was it Franklin Field? Yeah, yeah. and Penn. Uh, at, uh, yeah, at Penn. Um, and did the open 5K just because I, again, with being at a prep school, I wasn't allowed to run in the high school race, like the public high school race, which was a little odd, but it was it was cool. We were the last ones in the stadium. I think it was like 10 p.m. It was a monsoon. It was <laughs> the wind was whipping in our face. Like there was so many puddles on the track. I, like Penn Relays was so wet this year. Um, and it we didn't run like incredibly fast, but it was more so like as much like as much as Hayward is that same atmosphere, like Franklin Field under the lights when it was pouring rain was really, really cool. Um, and then um, the next bit, like the next big race was uh, was this was this Twilight meet, um, the Battle Roads Twilight meet at Bentley University. Um, I ran there. We, we brought a couple um, of our like a couple guys from the team to do like the 800, the mile, and I was entered for the 5K. Um, I ended up running with guys from Providence. Um, I, they, they brought two guys as pacers um, and Battle Roads Track Club is a, is a post-collegiate running club um, who hosted it. Have, they have a bunch of great runners and it was a really low-key meet. Um, so much so that like crossing the line, um, um, my dad was like right at the finish line and he hands me his phone uh, I, I like I talk about this all the time, but he hands me the phone. And I'm like, this is right after I crossed the line. I had no idea what I r- ran at that point, and it's my mom on the phone, and she's like, like you just like what happened, Byron? And I was like, I just got to like, I, she was the first one I talked to after the race. Like this was five seconds after I crossed the finish line. I had no idea what happened, but it was just such a cool memory um, of how like low key the meet was, and again like quintessential to like I feel New England track and in cross country just having my dad there and the pillars that were i was talking about um at the beginning of this show that like are so close to me and being able to those are the first people i talk to maybe it's like not the media but it's my parents remembering like why i'm running and doing it for them was really cool and i i ended up running pretty fast there so it was it was cool um and then a week and a half after that we go out to hayward again um for nationals and i just ran the 5k that time um and i mean that was to go in great yeah winning under it's i have it right up there um the tape still and that was under the lights sort of um a flashback to i guess franklin field or franklin park um no franklin field um of like running under the lights at penn getting to run under lights at hayward and, and to bring a win and some visibility and exposure to like not just me not like definitely not just me, but the entire program, the entire school of, of Phillips Exeter and sort of get them in the conversation, get our name in there with other schools. And yeah, it was great, great two years. So I'm looking forward to this this uh, senior year. I'm so blown away by how you talk. I mean, I'm sure it's a byproduct of your parents in school, but like how you were able to just go through like each race in an eloquent manner. I'm like, man, I got to get you on the podcast more. But question, we'll wrap this up soon because you have school to get to. But question I have for you is um, like in regards to the successful past two years, 
how has that kind of set the expectation for the final year? And what are you, what are some things you're looking to do and accomplish before you leave the sport of high school running? That is something that I have talked with my coach so much about. We knew like following junior year, the expectations that the, the exposure that I was talking about, how like with as much as it brings so much positive, like positivity to the program, um, it can also bring um, anxiety, nerves, feeling you're expected to perform at this certain level that you showed last year, um, running the same times or running faster just because you've had more time to develop. Um, and I think this will goes back to like freshman year in that I like what I, the mentality that I needed of progression will come differently to every individual and knowing that like, if I can bring to the table every day, it doesn't have to be a plus workout every single time. It's just getting some B plus workouts, a minus time and time again, taking those little steps and accomplishing like certain things, making sure I am consistent with lifts, making sure I am getting the food I need, the hydration I need, getting the sleep. Sleep is so important to me. I think I, I get nine, eight, nine hours every day and small things that can like help me not get sick, help me stay on the path of progression and knowing that like my journey is going to be different than everyone else's and not sort of worrying too much, but social media is going to say rankings, especially can be so um, demoralizing for a lot of guys. And it can bring expectation that you have to beat certain people on this day. But it's like, yeah, it's, it's something that I'm always in conversation with my parents, with my friends and with coach Newbold, especially of, of just how to balance that, um, especially even with the weight of like academics here can be pretty overbearing. So like putting more on the shoulders, it's just like finding strategies to sort of suppress, not, not suppress those emotions, but um, sort of change them into not negativity all the time. Cause you have so many other stressors in your life, whether that's just like grades, um, other like personal things going on. So it's like finding strategies to help with those like feelings of Byron, uh, two questions for you. One, in like 30 seconds to 60 seconds, I'd feel bad if I didn't bring it up. What are some of your hobbies outside the sport of running, some things you like to be doing when you're not in school or running? Yeah, so music is a really important part of my life. I I was named after a jazz clarinetist, Don Byron. So growing up, jazz was a big part. Like jazz filled up my household. Like the music was always there when I came back from school. That sort of evolved into jazz, hip hop, Kendrick, and then going into like Lauren Hill, Erica Badu, and, and these soul artists, R&B. Um, and I found a platform with my friend, my close friend here at school. We have a radio station, WPEA 90.5 FM. Um, and on Tuesday nights, we talk about um, music. Um, we, we pick an album each week, deconstruct it, find areas that we like to talk about it, then play it for any listeners. Um, and it's been such a cool platform to like express things I love and how it connects with my life. And also I have like over the summer, uh, I have a garden. So we, I had like tomatoes, um, green beans, lettuce, um, getting my hands dirty in the soil was, was nice this summer, hopefully to do that again. 
before going out to California next year. And uh, yeah. Byron, one final question for you. Uh, and then I'll ask you the question I ask every guest, but the serious question for you, what would be one final takeaway message you want to leave with our audience today? I think what has helped with my success is finding, and it's going back to like, I don't want to just sound like a broken record, but finding pillars of support and areas that like will impact you greatly that is outside your sport, like for whatever sport you're doing, putting in those workouts I was talking about, coming coming into the gym, going to the track day after day is important. But knowing that every time you step off the field, step off the track, things that you do outside of that realm will impact what you do when you get back to the field for practice the next day. And it's finding whether that's like love, support systems, um, like anything that will impact you specifically as in like every individual, something will impact you more than, than someone else. And so it's, I think it's so important to find those things that can add the extra 1%, 2% to the work that you have put in, in your sport. And I think it can be demoralizing when you're putting all this effort in your sport, but when you're off the field, you, you don't exhibit those same traits that you, that the same hard work, same like finding um, support outside of your sport. And you can, you, those results can tend to sort of fall, fall off if you don't have like a good, um, like good pillars outside. If, if that really totally. makes sense. No, 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 I get it. I get okay. it. I love it. I think that's a, a big thing. You have to be rooted in things and grounded in things and even support systems. Like you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I say that all the time. So yeah. um, I love it. Okay, Byron, I've loved our conversation. The final question I ask every guest on every single podcast. If you had Gordon Ramsay, normally I say coming over to your house for dinner, what would you choose to make for him? Not sure. Uh, maybe the kitchen and Exeter, whatever it is, what would you make for Gordon Ramsay for dinner? Oh, geez. Like, yeah, if it's at Exeter, all we have, I think we just have an oven and a microwave. Um, but like at home, what would I make for him? Oh, geez. I would. So we have this uh, dish I sort of grew up on. My mom makes all, well, actually, no, nah, I'll, I'll say this. My my dad makes the best chili. It's so spicy. And I, I, um, <laughs> I thank him for like my spice tolerance just because he just like <laughs> every sort, every year, like he would make it a little spicier and a little spicier. Um, definitely not a good pre-race meal at all. Like you should have this maybe like a week before any sort of like heavy competition or heavy effort. But uh, my dad's chili. Um, it's great. So, yeah. Byron, greatly appreciate the conversation, learning from you. Unbelievably impressed and can't believe it. You're a senior. I'm sure you get that all the time. But uh, how you were able to tell your story in an eloquent and exuberant and engaging way was incredibly impressive and I'm sure the listeners are going to walk away from today with a lot of wisdom a lot of inspiration and uh, two good Marcus Aurelius quotes so appreciate it thank you so much Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the podcast. I don't take your time for granted, so I hope that it brought you some wisdom and value that you can apply directly into your running and into your life. If you have not already done so, please consider giving us a follow and a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And then something all of you guys can do is share today's episode or the podcast in general with a friend or someone who you think will benefit from it. One more note, if you're not already following us on Instagram, consider doing so. My Instagram tag is at The Running Effect. I hope your running and life is going well. 
I appreciate you taking time out of your busy life to listen to today's episode. I will catch you in two days when the next episode drops. Until then, happy running.